Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply be a terrible blow to our national pride if any of our states failed to pay their debts. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold and written by Gene Holloway. Mr. President at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Today's Mr. President drama will begin in just a moment. But first, a word about our purpose in presenting this series. You know, to Americans, there are no more stirring stories in the world than the stories of the lives of the men who became presidents of the United States. Their deeds are direction pointers for the American mind, sources of inspiration and courage to young and old alike. Today, people are more interested than ever to know the intimate, interesting, and inspiring facts about the lives of their presidents the men who became the leaders of their country. And so the American Broadcasting Company takes listeners behind the White House reception rooms and ballrooms into the privacy of the breakfast room, into the study, where presidents are shown as individuals with human doubts, laughter, love, and faith. Listen now for today's story of Mr. President and see if you can name the president upon whom this episode is based. that happened to the president a few years ago. Listen closely and see if you can tell the president's identity. It was his first term, and he was showing his wife through the new Senate chamber. I must say it is absolutely beautiful. Look at that ceiling. Isn't that something? That light background with the sun and the 13 stars in the center. It takes artistry to achieve an effect like that. Oh, it does indeed. Just look at that fireplace. Is it really marble? Yes, it is, and American marble at that. Of course, it will never warm a room this size. Well, it wasn't built for warmth. It was built for beauty. Besides, when the Senate gets in here, things will be hot enough without any fires in the fireplace. Mr. President, that's no way to talk about your Senate. My Senate and my headache. (laughs) Whose chair is that? Up on the platform under that wonderful red canopy. Mine, naturally. Oh, naturally. Forgive me for asking. You're a bit saucy today, aren't you? Hmm? <laughs> it was just a small joke, dear. We should be starting for home. It's almost supper time. 
Oh, it is a magnificent room, isn't it? Yes, I'm certainly looking forward to meeting the man who designed it. Well, if things go as I hope they will, you may be meeting him very soon. I may have a job for him. Dear, I don't like to hurry you, but Alex is coming for dinner, and it is getting late. Are you trying to give orders to the President of the United States? I can see that this new rank of yours may make you very difficult to live with. It is an impressive title. (laughs) President of the United States. You know, I've never had much use for titles, but this one is really impressive, isn't it? Come on, dear. Let's take the title home and impress Alex with it. You cut me off right in the middle of a thought. I might have been about to say something historically important. Well, come on, let's go, let's go. Let's not dilly-dally. Yes, Mr. President, by all means, let's not dilly-dally. get you two gentlemen anything else? Alex? Thank you, no. It was a delightful dinner. Oh, thank you, Alex. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, there's nothing we need, my dear. We'll be quite comfortable, I'm sure. All right, then I'll leave you to your conference. A charming woman. You're a lucky man, Mr. President. Not so loud, not so loud. I've been trying to keep my wife from finding that out. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Tell me, what news have you for me about the matter of assumption? Well, it looks more and more hopeless, Mr. President. I cannot understand Congress. Can't they see what a terrible blow it'll be to our national pride if any of our states fail to pay their debts? And that the nation must take the responsibility for those debts since they were incurred in the name of the nation? They've been debating this issue for months. And they're farther away from settling it than they ever were. I thought when Congress voted no on assumption, that was the end of it. But there's been so much continued talk about it, I had to begin to hope all over again. Something must be done. If only you could come out openly in favor of assumption. Of course you can't. There's no use even thinking of that. No, no, I can't. This matter is something that the representatives of the states must settle among themselves. But I'm sorely disappointed that they do not see the government's responsibility in this matter themselves. Mr. President, I see one chance, a slim one, but nevertheless a chance. What is it? Well... As you know, Congress has dropped the subject of assumption right now to take up the matter of the location of the permanent seat of the government. Yes, I know. This, too, has become a very bitter fight. The Northerners want New York. The Pennsylvanians and some of the Southerners want Philadelphia. Most of the South favors a spot further south, perhaps along the Potomac. And? I believe this affords us a chance to barter, Mr. President. In what way? The assumption bill was defeated before by only two votes. With the support of the South... We could pass the Assumption Bill. And with our support, the South can win her fight to have the Capitol located along the Potomac. Well, you'd have to play a very clever game to bring that trick off, Alex. I think I can do it. I'm not sure, but I think I can. But, of course, I wouldn't think of attempting any such action unless you were in favor of it. You're a citizen of New York, Alex. You'll sacrifice your own state's chances of being the Capitol? Yes, I'll barter New York's chances in order to get that bill through. Well, go to it, Alex, and good luck. Naturally, the thought of the Capitol being located along the Potomac pleases me very much, and also, (laughs) being an economical man, I rather like the idea of killing two birds with one stone. (laughs) Try it by all means, Alex, try it. (laughs) 
My dear, here's a letter that'll interest you. Really? What is it, Mr. President? It's a letter from Major Langfont. Who? Major Langfont. Well, who's that? You know who that is. That's the, the Frenchman who designed the building in New York that I took you through, the Senate chamber in But the... his name isn't Langfont. No? What is it? Langfont. Major Pierre Charles Langfont. Well, that's what I said, Langfont. <laughs> Yes, dear, that's what you said. Well, he, he writes here that he has read that we are choosing the spot for the nation's capital and that he would consider it the greatest honor of his lifetime if he could design the capital city. Well, I'm sure he could do a perfectly wonderful job of it. Yes, I'm quite sure he could, too, except... Except uh, what? Oh, well, it's nothing except that he can be rather difficult at times. Like all artistic people, he can be very temperamental. Well, I'm... Sure, you would be the last person in the world to consider that a drawback. Just what do you mean by that? <laughs> oh, Mr. President, I was pretty obvious, wasn't I? Someday you'll go too far with me. I hope not, Mr. President. If I couldn't tease you anymore, I'm not sure life would be worth Listen, living. What? Someone's arriving. I'll see who it is. The servants have all retired. Alex, how nice to see you. Come in. I've come with news. Good news. Alex, come in. Come in. Have you had your dinner? No, no, I didn't stop. I'll get you something. Tell Thank me, you. Tell me what's happened. It worked. The Assumption Bill has been passed. Oh. Yes. And the capital city is to be located on a spot of your choice along the Potomac. Oh, my, Alex, that's very good news indeed. Well, uh, now I want to have a talk with you about Major Langfont. Yes? I think he's the man for the job, but I'd like, I'd like your opinion. Well, I don't see how we can do better. Good. Well, we're underway at last. I'll try and arrange my affairs so that I can take a trip down there and choose the exact location. And then I will appoint a board of three commissioners to superintend the building of the city. And uh, I will engage Major Langfont to lay out the city. Well, Major Langfont, it's a pleasure to see you again. Uh, Langfont. Yes, Langfont, that's what I said. No, Monsieur le Président, if you would not mind the correction, it is Langfont. Through the nose, long, long, long. Lang, lang. No, 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 no. Try holding the nose like so. Now, try it. Langfont. Langfont. Oh, I do not know what I am going to do. In all this country, not even the president can pronounce well, my no. name. Well, you mustn't be sensitive about it. On the other hand, you don't pronounce the word president correctly either. Oh, but I do. President. But it's president, president, president. President, president, president. Not through the nose, through the mouth, Monsieur Langford. Not through the nose, but how can one speak correctly without using the nose? The nose was created to breathe with, the mouth to speak with. Well, of course, Monsieur le President, you are entitled to your opinion. Uh, have you chosen the spot for the capital city? Yes, I have. When may I see it? As soon as you wish. Good. Then I will start for the Potomac tonight. You will start tonight. But certainly, the sooner started, the sooner begun, and the sooner finished. I should like three assistants, uh, Isaac Roberto and Andrew and Benjamin Ellick. Oh, I see no objection to you having whatever assistance you find necessary. And you must promise me peace of mind and soul in which to concentrate. I do not wish to be totally persecuted, as I was when I was working on the Senate chambers in New York by peasants with stupid questions. We have no peasants in America. You know that, Major Langfond? Lawful. Langfond. There are peasants everywhere. All boors who ask stupid questions are peasants. I uh, use the word as an insult, not as a category. I must be protected from people who want to stick their noses into my work. I must be free from interruption while I create my city. Your city? Now, see here, Major Langfond. Langfond. 
Langfang, this is not your city. This city is to be the capital of the United States. It's America's city. Until this city is born, it is my city. While it is in my art and on my drawing board, it is my child. When it has been copied from the drawing board and brought to life by the Potomac, then, then it will belong to America, not until then. All right, have it your own way. Yes, of course, I intend to, Mr. President. President. Uh, may we, President. Yeah. Now, there's a, there's a board of three commissioners who have authority over you, Major. Thomas Johnson, Daniel Carroll, David Stewart, and you must, of course, consult with them. I hate them. You hate them? I didn't know you knew them. I do not. Then why should you hate them? Oh, why? 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 Why must art always be supervised? Why must there always be noses in with my drawing? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Major. I'm sorry. But perhaps it's because artists must suffer in order to create. Why could I not have just you to deal with? I could handle you. <laughs> Well, that's possibly one reason why it's a good thing the supervisors were appointed, Major Langfond. Langfond, Langfond, Langfond. Why don't you change your confounded name? It's too hard to pronounce. Why don't you change your tongue for one that works properly? Major Langfond, I do not intend to be spoken to in the next... In that... Persecuted everywhere I go. I am persecuted at all because I want to give of my art to my soul. Well, you'll just have to give of your art and your soul to the best of your ability under the existing conditions. Because the commissioners are already appointed. I shall ignore them. I shall pretend they do not exist. Good day, Monsieur le Président. President. President. I shall go to the Potomac and study the spot where I will build my city. Oh, it must be majestic. It must be beautiful. And as soon as I have finished, you must see that there is a population for it immediately, Mr. President. President. I'll do my best, Major Langford. Longford. Good day, Monsieur. <laughs> Good day, Major. And let me hear from you after you've looked over the property at the Potomac. I mean the Potomac. I will indeed. <laughs> He's a quick-tempered man. Well, that was quite a performance you two gave. I was sitting in the garden and I hardly missed a word of it. If that man didn't have talent, I wouldn't put up with him for a minute. No, of course not. And if you weren't president, he wouldn't put up with you. <laughs> well, you may be right. I, I like the fellow, though. I really do. He has integrity, he's hardworking, he has enthusiasm for whatever he puts his hand to. He's not going to be easy to handle, though. I'll handle him. And he'll plan me a city that'll be the wonder of the old world and the delight of our own. He'll put my city down on paper the way I've dreamed it. I, um, I thought it was America's city. Well, of course it's America's city. At least it will be after it's built. But until it is built, it's my city. Because I've dreamed of it for such a long time. How have you dreamed that it looks? Well, my dear, I don't know the shape of the buildings or of the streets. I only see it from afar, a city of light standing tall and beautiful. A citadel for free men, a symbol of democracy. The capital of the United States of America. And to all mankind, it must mean the light and hope of the world. In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Say, did you know that George A. Custer was an Army General at the age of 21? Did you know that the United States Marine Corps was established 174 years ago in Tun Tavern in Philadelphia? 
Well, these are just two of the facts you'll uncover when you delve into the history of our armed forces. This past week was set aside to honor the armed forces who provide the defense and security of our nation. And they want you to know more about their activities. For instance, our armed forces today constitute the greatest scientific enterprise in the world. Today, armed forces are school-going organizations, learning technical skills and cultural subjects. Our armed forces also want us to know the importance of military reservists who spend their spare time training to help our country keep strong. Remember, our armed forces are teamed for defense. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Well, have you guessed who the president was when all this happened? It really did happen, you know, so listen closely. Major went to work on his plans for the city. And the three commissioners appointed by the government did their best to supervise him, but as time passed, this became progressively difficult. Singly and together, they came to the president and complained about the major. Then the major would come to the president and complain about the commissioners. Then the commissioners would be back again, and the president was the man in the middle. I tell you, Mr. President, it's more than a man can stand. Major Lamont won't tell us a word about... Langfont, Langfont. Langfont yeah. won't tell us a thing about his plans for the city. And he, he won't show us one of his drawings. He won't show you any of his drawings. Why not? He doesn't want us to know what he's doing. He says he hates us. <laughs> oh, I see. It's hardly a laughing matter, Mr. President. <laughs> no, no, of course it is. Of course it isn't. You're quite right. You told us that we were supposed to start selling lots. And we can't sell lots because we don't know where the lots are. Or what they look like. If a man's going to buy a lot, he's got to know something about it. Yes, he certainly does. He certainly does. Very well, Mr. Carroll. I'll speak to Major Langfond again. Major Langfond, is this true? Langfond. I haven't got time this morning to go through that name business again. Is it true that you will not permit the commissioners to see the plans for the city? It is true. May I ask you why? As far as I am concerned, the commissioners do not exist. I acknowledge no superior but you, Mr. President. I told you they were your superiors. I made it more than clear. Oh, how can a man be expected to create when he is hounded and persecuted constantly? No one is persecuting you. Don't be a child. We want people to start buying land in the capital city. And they can't buy it without knowing what they're buying or what part of town they're buying it in. I want my plans engraved and made public to the entire country at one time so that all will have the same chance to buy. Monsieur, if the plans are given to the commissioners, word will get out and speculators will buy up all the good lots and get high prices for them. It is not fair. It is not just. It is not even American. So let us not discuss it any further. You will see that I'm right when you think about it. Now, see here. Please, time grows short. I wish to discuss something of the greatest importance with you regarding the presidential palace. I wanted to have the sumptuousness of a palace, the convenience of a house, and the agreeableness of a country seat. Oh, that's a very worthy aim, I'm sure. But now about the commission. Please, Mr. President, later... Now, the spot I have selected is some distance from Congress. It will be necessary to travel between the two buildings by carriage. There will be a grand avenue with a number of handsome monuments between the two buildings. That is, there will be if the commissioners do not manage to spoil it before I get a chance to build. Why can't you work together? I cannot work with anyone but you. Art recognizes no masters except those that art respects. I take my orders only from you. 
whose judgment I know to be of impeccable taste and the keenest appreciation. Yes, but the commissioners... Do not give the commissioners another thought. I understand the commissioners. I know how to deal with them. Something terrible has happened. Isaac, do not disturb me. I am composing a window. I am very sorry to interrupt your mood, but a relative of one of the commissioners has started to build a house on land in the capital city, in a place where you had not planned to build a house. Someone is building in my city? I just happened to pass it in the house. It's three-quarters finished. Isaac, go and burn that house to the ground. What? Tear it down. Get rid of it. Erase it from the landscape. Nothing will be built until my plans are complete and made public. That fool is probably building his house right on top of the Library of Congress. Isaac, level that house to the ground. Immediately! I am sorry to interrupt your porch, but Isaac has been arrested by the commissioners. What? Why, those swine? Has he completed destroying the house? Uh, no, no, sir. Then come with me. You and I, we will get some laborers. We will destroy it ourselves. But what about Isaac? After we have torn down the house, then we will rescue Isaac. <laughs> Do not leave a speak standing. Major Lamont, you hear from the government about this? Lawfall! What'd you say? I said my name is Lawfall. That deuce, you say. Well, whatever it is, you're not going to get away with it. You've ignored the board of commissioners for the last time. I'm going to the president about you. We're all going to the president about you. <laughs> Major Langfont, I don't know what to say to you. It is all right with me if you wish to drop the whole matter. Why did you tear down that house? It was built on the spot I had designated and set aside for your monument, Mr. President. My monument? Really? That is entirely beside the matter, Major. I now have a most unpleasant task to perform. This matter has been taken out of my hands. Congress had a meeting about you, the cabinet had a meeting about you, and this morning I received this message from the Secretary of State. It is dated March the 6th, and it reads, it having been found impracticable to employ Major Langfont... Langfont. Major Langfont. Oh, that is better, Mr. President. Is it really? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, to get back to the letter, I have... uh, It having been found impracticable to employ Major Langfont... In that degree of subordination which was lawful and proper, he has been notified that his services were at an end. I am discharged? I'm afraid so, Major. It is not what I would do were the choice up to me. I, I want you to know that. But my my work, I, I thought my work was satisfactory. Your work is the work of a truly great artist. And the capital will always be richer for the plans that you have already laid out for it. 
I deeply regret that you are not to be permitted to complete your task. It was only that I did not want to be interfered with. I wanted to do it myself. Uh, Major, in America we have all grown accustomed to working together. You were behaving like a tyrant on a small scale, I admit, but nevertheless a tyrant. And in this country, when a tyrant appears, he isn't tolerated very long. I'm very frank to admit that I hope that there is one quality that America retains down through the centuries. Mr. President, you are quite correct. I was behaving like a tyrant. I did not think of it in that way, but it is true. And what are you going to do now? No, I have had an invitation to come to uh, New Jersey to help design the town of uh, Patterson, uh -huh. I think. Uh -huh. Well, I, I will go there. This time I shall try to have better manners. Well, please write to me and let me know how you're getting along. Will you, Major Norfolk? Mr. President, you said it almost perfect. Really? Well, and you're getting rid of that talking through your nose business, too, you know. Oh, I hope not. I should like to keep at least that much of the old country. Much as one loves the new, one must retain something of the old. Ah, that is true now because our country is very young and many of our people still have memories of the countries from which they came. But someday the majority of Americans will have been born here. And their fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers before them. And then, the old will be gone. The descendants of the French will still talk through their noses. <laughs> well, we'll see, Major L'Enfant. Goodbye, Mr. President. <laughs> you know, I will always remember you. And when the histories of the capital are written, your name will be in them as the man who did the initial work in planning our capital. Goodbye. And good fortune, Major L'Enfant. Well, you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. The adjective dynamic perfectly describes Walter Winchell, one of the country's most powerful reporters of the news. Winchell's dynamic news delivery has made him a favorite with millions. For Winchell not only tells the facts about the news, he gets behind the news to bring you startling exposés. Winchell's famous, too, for his daring exclusives. And when a news story breaks in America or in a far-off news center, you can count on Walter Winchell to have a different story about it, a story you won't read about in your newspapers. So for important inside news on the headline events of the week, plus extraordinary exposés and exclusives, Hear Walter Winchell when he broadcasts tonight over these same ABC stations. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Well, Alex, what news do you bring? Something good, I hope. I've had enough to put up with today. Mr. President... A name has been agreed upon for the capital. Well, that's interesting. What is it? The district is to be called the Territory of Columbia. And the city is to bear the name of the first president of the United States. Alex. Here. Have a map. You see that dot? What it says? The city of Washington in the District of Columbia. How does it look to see your name on a map, Mr. Washington? Alex, I'll never be able to tell you. I'll never be able to tell you. Mr. 
with us again next week, won't you, for another interesting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. program is produced and directed by Dick Willen. Edward Arnold can currently be seen in the MGM picture, Annie Get Your Gun. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. Today's story was based on incidents in the life of President George Washington. Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. Mr. President was transcribed earlier for release to the West at this later and more convenient time. Listen again next week at the same time over most of these same ABC stations for Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.